We've got everyone in here before I turn it over to Brother Doug. I know that you have June the 11th already on your calendar. That is our Super Saturday Bible School. We did that last year. We, Lord willing, God will bless us, and we will be larger, uh, more so even this year. But we need helpers. We need helpers. So when you go out on the uh, Little Chapel side of the information desk, this is for the adults. Uh, I couldn't think of a better time to announce this with all of these young souls right here in front of us. That's the reason I want us to continue into the summer with this um, momentum that we have, that we're coming off lads to leaders and the things that we do on a regular basis. But I need any of you who will participate on June the 11th, if you will go back and see what's on that sheet. Um, there's uh, two clipboards, seven or eight columns. So there is a job for you. In fact, there's one, two, or nine jobs for you. So uh, please check that out on your way out. I'm very paranoid, so if three weeks from now it's still empty, I will probably have to see a doctor. So please begin to fill that out so we can start making our plans. There you go. That was a little more than 78 seconds. but All right, let's start with the books of the Bible. It's been a few weeks since we've done this, so let's get back and practice. You ready? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, First and Second, First Kings, First Chronicles, Second Chronicles, Ezra, Esther, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Psalms, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Job, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. First Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, First Thessalonians, First Timothy, Titus, Philemon, Hebrews, James, First Peter, First John, Third John. Jesus loves me. Yes, I Lord our God, Lord our God, we pray to the Lord our God. 
In Jesus' name. We give money to our Lord. How can you put that? We give our money to the Lord, to the Lord, to the Lord. We give our money to the Lord, showing Him our love. Lord's Supper. We take the Lord's Supper, Lord's Supper, Lord's Supper. We take the Lord's Supper, remembering His death. One more. Preach. We listen to the Word of God, Word of God, Word of God. We listen to the Word of God and increase in faith. How many elders do we have here? Four. Who are they? Boogle has four elders. God is so good. God is 
Y'all did a good job tonight. Uh, before we uh, dismiss to our classes, Brother Luther, I'm going to ask you to lead a prayer in just a moment, if you will. But uh, I'm not going to make any additional announcements other than what we've had this morning. I do want to encourage you to 
Uh, remember those who've lost loved ones in your prayers and uh, with encouraging words. Uh, also, uh, those that are on our sick list, we likewise need to take note of who they are and do what we can to encourage them in the difficult situations that they face. But we are glad you're here tonight. Uh, we enjoyed an excellent crowd this morning, in spite of the fact that we had uh, 60 that were gone, I think, on the retreat. We still had 301, so that's great. And uh, we certainly enjoyed our visitors this morning. And if you're visiting with us tonight, uh, we are especially grateful that you're here. But before we dismiss to class tonight, let's go to God in prayer. Oh, yes, if you need to partake of the Lord's Supper, uh, you can go at this time uh, to the little chapel and you'll be served before class. Let's all pray together. Our Father in heaven, we give that thanks for blessing us with another assembly this Lord's Day evening. And we're thankful, Father, for this special class of young people. And we pray, Father, they'll continue to grow and be fruitful service in the future, Father. We thank our congregation here, Father. We pray they continue to bless us as we strive to spread that word about the community and the world. We pray for our teachers tonight, and we pray that we can gain knowledge that will by studying that word together. These words dressed in Christ's name. Amen. compact in our Bible class. Yay! So if you're this way or so, please, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, blame Jim. Jim, where are you? <laughs> He's already run away. He knew this was going to be a problem. Yeah, well, that, that's the thing, Luther. <clears throat> When you ask people to come forward, they won't do it. I know the humble ones from the front are moving back. <laughs> no, Evelyn's got the back seat. 
She is our anchor back there, so, okay. Thank you so much for doing that, and if you want to, every week we can move back and back and back until we're just jam-packed in there, but uh, up until now, it's been kind of scattered, so there are a lot of people in here. I will tell you, we're starting a new quarter now. If you stay put where you are, you're eventually going to hear every class that there is in the adult Bible school program. What we do is we teach in one place for three months, and then we just flip. So what's being taught in here in three months is going to be taught over there in the Annex. Right now in the Annex, there's a class that's dealing with answers to denominational doctrines. So if you would prefer to be in that class, hey, that'd be terrific. This class here is going to be a Bible study, a Bible-based study, looking at two books, the books of Judges and the book of Ruth. So you can quickly make your decision. I'm going to go over some people that I know who are sick, and then if you have somebody at the end that you would like to add to this, I will, but I'll just tell you, I've already got a really long list. Uh, Melinda Hester's mother, uh, Irene Baker, she has terminal cancer. We've been praying for her for a while, and she still lives alone. So just, you know, keep her in your prayers as she's going through this and for her family. Laura Galloway's dad, John Dryden, has terminal cancer. Uh, Martha Eaton is to see the doctor this week. Hopefully some plans to do something with her foot. She had other health issues that they've gotten within some normal ranges. And so, you know, this she's, she's had foot problems the whole time I've been here, I think. That's been two years. So please, please keep her in your prayers that they'll be able to go forward with that. Austin Wentz, that's the grandson of John and Wilda. Uh, he's been up and down with his treatments, but hopefully they've finally got him on the right regimen, and he's going to do well. Equipment Wigginton, I think he's home. Uh, went by to see him one day, he was gone. So he's home now, he's gone. I don't know, but I think that sounds good. Oh, okay, could be. But um, he's doing great. Uh, Terry Green is Ricky's brother. He's at UAB for several weeks Probably in the middle of that, I'm guessing, about now. He's taking some treatments, and uh, hopefully that's going to be over soon, and he'll be, he'll be doing great. Verlin Davis has Alzheimer's. Just pray for her that she'll have some normalcy and for her caregivers. Geraldine Taylor. Chopper. Is Chopper here? There's Chopper. Going this Thursday. Yay! Uh, she, she appears to be doing great, and we're, we're glad for that, so... Uh, remember Ann Stevens with her health problems. And Jeff Goff, is he, how is he? Is he doing? <laughs> he broke his back, right? Okay, so. Okay, you want me to take him off this list and not pray for him ever again? Okay, well, we're hopeful that he's uh, had a full recovery. Obviously, you can't live, Okay, so he's, he's, on a, he's on the road to recovery, and we're glad for that. Connie Edge, she wasn't 
here today? Went by to see her. She wasn't home. So I'm, I'm guessing, is she out of town? She's still recovering from her knee. It, it swells on her. But remember, Connie, Marilyn Wilson had emergency back surgery a few weeks ago. A Todd English's mother, uh, she uh, is in rehab. And of course, we, we have all these families. Uh, last, last week was a rough week. Um, last couple of weeks with people losing loved ones. Uh, remember the Yates family? Martha's here tonight. Remember her and Harley? Uh, John and Wilda's daughter, Amanda Smith. Remember that family? Uh, Linda Garrett. Uh, she had a brother-in-law, Floyd Newton, to, to pass away. Uh, that's also Kim Fowler's uncle. Uh, Julius Lee had a niece uh, to die. Uh, Bobby Brazel's brother, Freddie, died. And, of course, our Sandy Bonham. So all these families are, are grieving right now, just a lot of folks. Uh, my mother-in-law, Ruth Staley, has been undergoing some testing. They found w- what tentatively they're thinking is a, a tumor in her lung. Of course, we don't know until they do a biopsy exactly what they're dealing with, but the doctor indicated it's most, most likely cancerous. I don't like doctors with that kind of bedside manner. <laughs> uh, but anyway, what we're hoping that, you know, it's benign or maybe it's something else. Pardon? Okay. So as soon as we know definitively, we'll let you know. Kim Fowler, you've seen her walking around in a boot um, during the widowhood workshop. She broke it uh, three places, I understand. So remember her. She's, she's recovering from that. Uh, Jody Smith, been missing her? Yeah, where's Jody? Jody's in California. No joke. Doug bought her a one-way ticket. No joke. Uh, but that's how they do it, because they didn't know how long she was going to need to be there. So I just want to qualify that. And she's hopefully going to be back this week. Her dad's been sick, and she's been trying to deal with that. Uh, Don, Don Dawson's been in the hospital uh, with some uh, pretty severe stomach issues and, and some other complicating problems. Uh, Ray Mason's niece, Kara Burns, and her daughter were in a terrible accident. Uh, Kara received over 200 stitches in her face uh, from this accident. Just please remember them. She's a daughter of... Uh, Junior Burns, and stepdaughter of Dale Kendrick's niece, Jennifer. Johnny Howe, that's Ken Scott's aunt, has cancer. Uh, Shirley Deaton, that uh, I mentioned in Wednesday night, has stage four cancer. She passed away. Uh, so remember her. Uh, Bill Murphy, many of you knew. Uh, his funeral was yesterday. And Roger Mooney uh, contacted me. Uh, his wife, Connie, she's having hip replacement surgery on Wednesday in Tupelo. So please pray for her to have a successful surgery and, of course, recovery from that. That can be the hard part. Anybody else?
Okay. Shirley Stacy is dying. That's a friend of Rick's, and uh, Sue James has cancer. Okay, anybody else? <clears throat> All right, we're going to sing a song. Yeah, it's not just the kids that get to sing. We can sing too. Let's sing Faith is the Victory, number 469. After that, we'll have our prayer for these folks, and then we will begin our Bible class together. Four, six, nine. Four, six, nine. Encamped along the hills of mighty Christian soldiers rise and press the battle Father in heaven, thank you so much for the privilege it is to be assembled here this afternoon, to be able to study together from your word. And Father, I pray that you'll help us as we begin thinking about a new study, that you'll set our minds right, get us on the, the right path, and I'll be excited about the prospect of things that we can learn. And Lord, I pray for our students those who are examining your word, that it'll be worthwhile and can learn some things that will impact their life. And especially as regards the song that we just sang, just, Lord, help us be a faithful people. And help, help me as a teacher, facilitator, to be able to t teach and direct in such a way as to promote learning. Lord, we have so many that are sick, and, of course, we're thankful for our own health and strength, and we pray that would continue if it's your will. But these people we're very concerned about, and we pray, Lord, that you'll bless them. If, if not with full recovery, we just pray that in the course of their sickness or injury that you'll comfort them and give them good days. Especially we think about Irene Baker and John Dryden, who have terminal cancer, and we just pray, Lord, that you'll give them good days for their families, meaningful days. We pray that you'll bless Martha Eaton as she's 
finally, hopefully, able to get a clear diagnosis about what's going on with her, her feet, and we pray that whatever the best course of action is, that that will be readily known and that she can begin that as soon as possible and just get back to a good state of health. We pray for Austin Wentz, who continues treatments, and we pray that he's finally on a treatment that's able to be sustained and that he can, he can continue with uh, without ill effect. We pray for Quitman as he's gone home. We're, we're very glad about that, but we pray he'll not have any more episodes of falling. We ask your blessings on Terry Green as he undergoes these chemo treatments that they'll be just exactly what he needs for health. Please bless Verlin Davis with good days and bless her caregivers. We're thankful that Geraldine's so much, doing so much better. We pray that uh, her dismissal from Landmark is warranted and that she can go home and do well. Please bless Ann Stevens, and Jeff Goff, and Connie Edge, Marilyn Wilson, as they all have illnesses or injuries that they're recovering from. We pray that uh, they, they can have good health again. We pray for Todd English's mother, and we pray her surgery has the desired effect and that she can recover from it. And Father, all these families that are suffering from loss, the Yates family, the Gardners, uh, Linda Garrett and her family and Kim Fowler, for Julius Lee and the death of her niece, for the Brazel family and Freddie's death, we pray, Lord, for the Bonhams and we just, we just pray you'll encourage Chuck. We pray for Ruth Staley, Lord, that whatever's going on with her lung, that doctors will know exactly what it is and be able to deal with it if action needs to be taken. Pray for Kim's broken foot, that it'll heal and that she'll have full use of it again. Bless Jody as she's preparing to come back home. And we pray that her father is in a good state that she'll feel good about leaving him. We pray for Don Dawson, that his health will get better. We pray for Kara Burns and her daughter, that they can recover fully from their accident. I ask your blessings on Johnny Howe, who has cancer. We pray for Roger Mooney's wife, Connie, as she has hip replacement surgery. We pray it's a, a great success. We pray for Shirley, Stacy as she battles cancer, and just pray comfort for her and her family, and also for Sue James, who has cancer. Uh, Lord, we're just thankful, and we pray that uh, we'll have faith that's sufficient to overcome the things that uh, creep up in our lives, and thank you for your word that gives us clear direction about how we do that. The examples of the Old Testament scriptures, I pray, will be effective in us that our faith will be strong in Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for all that you do to make these things possible. Thank you for hearing our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we're doing something in this class that I've actually never done before. That is, I have a co-teacher. And he announced this morning he wasn't going to be here. 
<laughs> Chris Langley is my co-teacher. So he's been kind of working on it, and I've been working on it. And he's come up with a, a pretty catchy idea about how to address Judges and Ruth. So we're going to look at it from the standpoint of things are going to get worse before they get better. Then they're going to be great. How do you like that? Is that catchy? Just say it is and, you know, appease me. I just thought, that's kind of, that's kind of cute. So things are going to get worse before they get better. That book is actually Judges <laughs> because it starts here and it goes <laughs> off a cliff. And if you've ever read the last few chapters of the book of Judges, then you already know that book is a shocking book. It's probably the most shocking book in the whole Bible. So if you didn't know that already, I, I can't wait for you to find that out. Uh, secondly, the book of Ruth, well, that's the one where it's going to be great because in the midst of all of this ugliness that we're going to experience in the book of Judges, is actually just, you, you kind of pull out of that time a beautiful story that actually is going to fit all of this heartbreak and discouragement. It is going to fit it right in the middle of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. So that's going to be pretty exciting. So the book of Judges. You were here in the book of Joshua and... What can we say? That is a book of great faith. Now, according to Joshua chapter 1 and verse 1, it was actually a follow-up to the exploits of Moses. You know, Moses died, and then Joshua picks up there. And boy, we get all of the beautiful stories about how now we are finally able to go into the promised land. And they were able to go into the promised land because they finally, as a nation, had what? Faith, thank you. That's why we sang our song, right? So faith's going to be a big deal. So they had faith that was sufficient to empower them with the, with the good graces of God and to go into that land and to subdue it. And man, it was exciting. And by the time they came to the very end of their course, Joshua is fired up. And you know, he's like... Now, there might be some of you who are kind of discouraged and, oh, you just want to go back to Egypt. But I'm telling you, as for me and my house, what? We're going to serve the Lord. And it's kind of like one of those moments. Now, I do this occasionally in my house. Well, I used to when there were people besides Anita there. Now she's my only audience. So when I want to do something, I will announce, here's what we're going to do. Who's with me? Now she might go, did, hmm, did you say something? Uh, but used to be, I liked the resounding response. Yeah, we're, yeah, let's do it. So when, when Joshua is like, you know what? You folks, you can go if you want to, and you can go worship those gods which are on the, the, you know, the other side of the river, and you just be with those Egyptians if you want to. But as for me and my house, who's with me? And then what did everybody say? They said, we're with you. You know, yes, we're going to do this. And so with that resounding affirmation of faith and a lot of the conquest behind them, they're looking forward. Now, Joshua dies. 
And so when we begin the book of Judges, it's kind of that same hopeful expression. It's just like you began the book of Joshua in chapter 1, verse 1. You know, Moses died. Now, it's Joshua has died. What you would expect if you haven't ever read this before, or you're not quite sure how all this turns out, you're expecting that this people who are faithful and say, we're with you, you would expect them to do what? Be faithful. I mean, man, we're going we're gonna to do this. You would hope as a leader that what you've instilled in your people is going to be generational. You know what I mean by that? I mean that, yeah, I, I teach you and I want you to be faithful, but what am I hoping is going to ultimate be, ultimately be the outcome? Well, yeah, not, not, just, not just you. I, I want you to be so in tune with this and so dedicated that the next generation beyond you is also going to do that. I want it to be generation. I want it to carry on. And those people had promised, yes, that's what we're going to do. We're with you all the way. Okay? So, we get this book of Judges, and it starts off with this great theme of fulfilling the hopes and dreams of those leaders of the past. And then within the first two chapters, it takes a nosedive. Because that which had been so faithful now becomes, well, what's the opposite of faithful if you put an un in front of it? Unfaithful. What had been a dedication and a trust in Almighty God the very one that those people had seen or at least had been only one generation removed from hearing that they had escaped the bondage of Egypt and had been in the wilderness wanderings, yeah, because the unfaithfulness of a generation, but now resolved to do what God says do and with the courage to go even against the giants that had been seen in the land, these people now instead of having faith in Almighty God, in the book of Judges, they become idolatrous. Imagine that within the course of just a couple of generations, you've got people who were so dedicated, so faithful to God, and now they're unfaithful, and not just unfaithful to God. They, they have become so unfaithful that they have committed themselves to idol worship to the worship of the false gods of the people in the land that they had been given by God, a land that God had said was their inheritance. He had freely given for them to subdue their enemies, but because of a failure on their part to do what God had commanded them to do, now they are going to reap the consequences. This book, Judges, is it's interesting. Now, when we were looking at Moses... Right, you've got Genesis all the way through the book of Deuteronomy, but primarily the story beginning in the book of Exodus is, is basically about what series of events? You know, Genesis carries us right up to... It's like we go over hundreds of years and then stop. We'll just go through about, you know, 40 years, <laughs> and that'll be it. Okay, so... We get to Moses, and then we slow way down, and we're all about leaving 
Egyptian bondage and fulfilling the promise that God had made to Abraham to go into that land of promise, the land of Canaan. And so over the course of those next few years, we're preparing all these people. That's why we've got all the laws, got the, got the Ten Commandments delivered to the people, and all of those laws that were connected with it in order to, to protect a people that they could be holy enough to serve God, to protect God's plan to bring about one ultimate end through his people, and that is the Christ. But all of this confusion and leaving God Finally, they get in, in to the promised land by their faithfulness, and Joshua's going to lead them in, and they are, they are hugely successful, and he's thinking about a future. All of, all of that, again, takes just a short period of time, just another general generation. In the book of Judges, however, we're going to be looking at a period of time that covers about 300 years. So it's been a while since we've looked at such a huge span of time. And over the course of 300 years, we're going to see a devastating trend. In fact, I, I, I was trying to think of a word that really describes what this book is about. And I'm torn between two words. One is the word gloom, like there's a cloud over it. And the other word is failure. The gloom is in the repeated cycle that we find in this book. You'll see God bless a people. Then they'll get so accustomed to their blessings that they become disobedient or they apostatize. Then when they are taken in their apostasy... God will chasten them. Remember we talked about chastening as sons? Well, they're, they're God's people. So God is going to chasten them, and he'll do it with one of those foreign nations around them. Then when they begin to cry out like they did when they were in the land of Egypt, God will send in what this book is named for, a judge. And then following the work of that judge, the deliverer, then they will repent. And in terms of their repentance, then they'll be blessed. Well, what happens after they're blessed? Well, take that cycle, cycle that I just described for you, stick that, put that just cop, you know, cut and clip and copy and put that over here. And, and it keeps happening. In this book are described seven different cycles. Now, you heard Doug tell the kids that there are... 14 judges, well, there's 15 judges, 14 of them are men and one is a woman. Okay, so basically we tend to think there are 15 judges, but there are only seven cycles that are actually described in the book. Some of those judges, they're mentioned, but we don't really know much about what they did except maybe the span of time that they operated in. Okay, so here's the million-dollar question if we're not going to name the book the book of gloom, or we're not going to name it the book of failure, since we're going to call it the book of judges, what exactly is a judge? Pardon? Okay. Yeah, that 
would not be wrong. <laughs> it is somebody who makes a big decision. If, if in your mind you're thinking about someone who sits on the bench and issues decisions, that's not what a judge was. Now, you may call to mind that Deborah actually was somebody who had a position and people came to her and asked her questions. Okay, but typically a judge is one who was a ruler or a leader, a magistrate. In our case, it's even more than that. This is a person who is called by God for a military purpose. Now what happens is they come in and they do their action militarily in order to restore the blessings to the people. But then because they were such an effective force, guess what the people did? Rule over us, right? Isn't that, isn't that their story? Always look for somebody to rule over. Yeah, you rule over us, okay? There is a problem that continues through this book, and it's, it's actually, it's stated succinctly with a phrase, but you'll find that phrase twice in the book. So look, somebody look at the book of Judges, chapter 17 and verse 6. Okay, you hear some pages turning, so if you hear them turning, they're going to that one. You go to this one, Judges chapter 21 and verse 25. Let's, let's listen to these. Anybody have Judges 17 verse 6 yet? Those days there were no king in Israel, and Okay, in those days, now this is 17 verse 6, so kind of, kind of in the midst of what's going on, the, the description of the times is, well, remember, we're not in the time of the kings. Like reference, eventually, who's going to be a king over Israel? Saul's going to be a king, and then David becomes a king, okay? Right now... What we find out in the time of Samuel is that actually, actually God was the king here. But what was in the mind of the people? Who's the king? We don't have any king. We don't have any king. So what we will do is what? We'll do what's right in our own eyes. We will do what we want to do. Now, here's the thing right there, kind of in the midst of the book. That makes sense. You know, typically, typically in a novel, you, you're going you're gonna to be building to a peak, to a grand, a grand statement in the book. You're going to come to the pinnacle. There's going to be a statement or some, some reveal that's amazing. And then things are going to kind of taper off. Sometimes in the Bible, you have a swell in the story, like, wow, we just, we hit this crescendo. We got, got to the apex of the story. It's the ultimate. And then it just kind of tails off. So here we are in chapter 17, verse 6. We're in the meat of the story. And what we find out is that kind of here, remember this, we didn't have kings. And in the midst of all of this that's happening, oh, remember, people were doing what was right in their own sight. Get to the very end of the book. Who looked that one up? Chapter 21, verse 25. This ought to be the place where things kind of resolve themselves and we get back on track. What happens at the end of this book? Yeah. Okay, uh, secret's out. 
I told you there is one, kind of one key idea here, and then, you know, we were looking for a climax in this story. We thought maybe 17.6 was going to be it, and then things, you know, are going to get better. But that's not what happened. When you get to the end of the story, things are worse now than they've ever been. Now, let's get back to the story of our judges. What was the purpose of the judge? What was he supposed to do? It's, it's a story continually of the idea of deliverance. And, and the fact is that, that when things go off the rails, God never, ever, ever forsakes his people. God has a plan that is going to be carried through. And despite the fact that this book chronicles an unfaithfulness that is practically unimaginable, these people are still going to be within range of God's good graces. And so God hears their cries when they are oppressed, when he brings it down on them, and he sends in a deliverer. Something kind of interesting about these judges as deliverers is that there are basically three types of deliverers amongst the 15 that we'll be studying together. One is sometimes one of these judges just works with one tribe. Now, we have how many tribes to work with? Okay, we have 12 tribes. Sometimes one of these judges will just work with one tribe. Samson is a good example of that kind of judge. And then sometimes there will be a rallying of the troops and there will be several tribes that work together in order to fight a foe, as in the case of the Midianites. And Barak is a, a good example of that. And then you have a judge like Samuel, who is a judge over all the people. And what Samuel does is kind of set the stage for the changeover from what would have been a theocracy, that is, a God-ruled society, uh, where God is the king, over to a monarchy, where a, a figurehead, Saul, in, in the case of the first king, is going to come into power. So we're in a period where there's no king, but does that give us an excuse to do what we want, do what is right in our own eyes? Shake your head this way. No. Okay, let, let's, let's go back for a second. Somebody look up Joshua chapter 24. So that should put you at the very end. Okay. We're going to look at Joshua chapter 24. Verse 31, yeah. Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had known all the works of the Lord which he had done for Israel. Okay, when this, when this book ends, Joshua does, you kind of get a taste or a flavor of how things go. Now, Joshua, a strong leader, not a strong leader. 
Powerful leader, powerful. Joshua's gone. Joshua had received the commitment of the people that they were going to do what? We're with you. You know, we're going to serve the Lord. Okay, so Joshua dies, but Joshua had an influence on leaders in that time's society. And so those leaders who had actually served with Joshua, what kind of men were they? Did Joshua rub off on them? Yes, he did. And so as long as they lived, what happened? Okay. So what happened? Look at chapter 2 and verse 10 of Judges. Chapter 2 and verse 10. That text says that when all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, what happened? Another generation rose up who what? Didn't know the Lord, nor the works that he had done for Israel. What happened? No teaching. One, how many generations? One generation was missed. And as a result of that, we have the book of Judges before us. Now, I want to I give you an assignment for next week, okay? Next week, we're going to be looking at five of these judges. Now, you say, there's only 15, Ken. I know, but actually, we're going to learn about five of them in these three chapters, chapter 3, chapter 4, and chapter 5. Please read chapters 3, 4, and 5. Now, I also want to give you this assignment out of these first two chapters. I want you to look in chapter 1 at the first four verses because that is going to introduce to us the fact that despite all the hopes and dreams that Joshua had with his people, things were not completed yet. The conquest of the land was not completed. When we get here into the book of Judges, guess what? They're still working on that. But then, coupled with that, also in chapter 1, please read verses 19 through 33. Oh, I know. Oh, no, Ken, that's so much. Not really. It'll only take you a few minutes. But what you're going to find is over and over and over and over again, they failed to secure property. They failed to get the people out. Just one failure after another, after another, after another. You'll get tired of reading it. I think, I, I think that it's in there that way, not just to chronicle the history of it, but, you know, there are places in Scripture where you could just summarize and say, you know, over the course of so many years, they just failed from this region to that region. That's not what the Bible does. The Bible just keeps hitting that drum over and over and over. You're like, I am getting sick and tired of reading about these failures. Well, guess what? How does God feel when it's failure after failure after failure to do His will? You think he would just like to summarize the whole thing? I know he would because I remember when Moses was having that problem, what did God say? That's okay. I'll just wipe all these people up and I'll raise up a nation after you, Moses. And Moses fell on his face. Why did he do that? Lord, please don't. 
Because if you do that, then the people from Egypt will hear about it and they'll talk about how you just led us out here and you didn't deliver. Listen, God delivers. Who doesn't deliver? That's people. The failure that we have when we become unfaithful. And so it's just the beating of a drum over and over and over. They went here, they didn't get it. They went here, they didn't get it. Over and over and over. Then you get into chapter 2. Again, you're going to read the... Well, in this case, you're going to read the first three verses. And you're going to hear about the angel of the Lord stepping in and saying, you know what? Because you've decided not to take these lands, God had freely given it to you. It was in your hands. Because you have chosen not to do it, then the Lord is not going to be with you. Let me ask you this question. As a child of God, is that what you want to hear? Lord's not going to be with you. You say, we're sorry. Uh, man, we messed up. We're good now. What does God say? No, you know what? I appreciate that attitude, but let's see. That is going to kick off the continual over and over and over again cycle of abuses for the people of God. And then add to that in chapter 2, look at verses 10 through 23. Now, those are going to be important. Do, do we have time? We only have five minutes. Maybe we can do that. Uh, chapter 2, verses. we're going to look at verses 10 to the end of the chapter because this, this is the pattern that you're going to see through this book all the way to the end. Well, except for those special little stories I told you about uh, toward the very back. Beginning at verse 10, when all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord nor the work which he had done for Israel. Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals, faithful or unfaithful. They become unfaithful. Keep, keep a hook there. They forsook the Lord God of their fathers who had brought them out of the land of Egypt and they followed other gods from among the gods of the people who were all around them. And they bowed, before, bowed down to them. And they provoked the Lord to anger. When you provoke God to anger, what does He do? Something. <laughs> you make God angry, so He's just going to sit around? He is not. He's angry and He's going to act. They forsook the Lord and served Baal and the Asterisk. The anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. So he delivered them into the hands of plunderers who despoiled them. And he sold them into the hands of their enemies all around so that they could no longer stand before their enemies. Okay, so God's now going to... He's going to chasten them. That's our, our next section. Whenever they went out, the hand of the Lord was against them for calamity, as the Lord had said and as the Lord had sworn to them. And they were greatly distressed... Nevertheless, the Lord raised up judges. God sends a judge. He's going to deliver them from their anguish. So he sent in a judge who delivered them out of the hand of those who plundered them, yet they would not listen to their judges. But they played the harlot with other gods, and they bowed down to them. They turned quickly from the way in which their fathers walked and obeying the commandments of the Lord. They did not do so. And when the Lord raised up judges for them, the Lord was with the judge, delivered them out of the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge, for the Lord was moved to pity by their groaning. Why are they groaning? Oh, we feel so bad. We're sorry. Please help us. Kind of like when they were where? In Egypt. 
So they're groaning because of those who oppressed them and harassed them. It came to pass when the judge was dead. Okay, so stop. Wow, thank you so much, Lord. You saved us. Now things are good. We're at peace. And then they start to do what? Forget God, right? Comes to pass when the judge was dead, like Joshua when he died, right? These leaders die. What happens next generation? They reverted, behaved more corruptly than their fathers by following other gods to serve them and bow down to them. They did not cease from their own doings, nor from their stubborn way. The anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he said, because this nation has transgressed my covenant, which I commanded their fathers, and has not heeded my voice, I also will no longer drive out before them any of the nations which Joshua left when he died, so that through them I may test Israel, whether they will keep the ways of the Lord to walk in them as their fathers kept them or not. Therefore the Lord left those nations without driving them out immediately, nor did he deliver them into the hand of Joshua. So next time, what you're going to do, you're going to read those sections from chapters 1 and 2. Remind yourself of why they're in this situation. Then in chapters 3, 4, and 5 next week, we're going to examine the actions of Othnel, Ehud, Shamgar, Deborah, and Barak. You, you know the song already, right? And we're going to see how God used them in order, to, in order to glorify himself despite the unfaithfulness that they exhibited. Let's have a short prayer and then we will be dismissed. Father, thank you for the blessing of this time and thank you for the blessing of your word. Father, I, I pray that this will just serve as an academic exercise that we're so faithful and content in our relationship with you that we don't need this encouragement of the past. But Lord, I know that the struggles of this time are great and our faith is threatened more than ever. So Lord, use these things in order to build us up to understand that without you, we can have no success, but that with you, we can conquer any foe. Thank you for the blessing of this study in particular and bless us as on our own, we read these scriptures and embody them in ourselves. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.